0: Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. I'm Harry, and this is episode 43, and it's been a while since my uh, Ardacon coverage, although, well, I suppose it's actually not been that long. I think it's only been a couple of weeks, but either way, uh, it feels like it's been an age since I was playing back-to-back games at Ardacon. We've got five days of toy soldiers, and all that sort of stuff. And strangely, I, I, this was meant to be the third or something tournament after Ardecon that I was attending. But sadly, um, just my, my hectic life schedule has has been upturned by uh, plans to move house. So it's all going a bit belly up. And there will definitely be a slowdown, particularly on my YouTube channel for a while. Because um, I, I won't have internet when I move in the next few days. And I've been packing boxes and all this sort of stuff. So it's been a bit manic. But I'm managing to squeeze out... Uh, a Sunday afternoon away from packing boxes uh, to go for a tournament uh, today. And we're going to the Gates of Gondolin. Yes, the Gates of Gondolin. This is a tournament at uh, Seventh City Collectibles, which uh, you may have heard the name mentioned a few times on the podcast before. This is a shop in Nottingham, um, run by Barney Menzies and uh, Will Champion, and um, I can't uh, forgive me. I can't remember the other chap's name. He's a lovely bloke, but I don't know him uh, personally, as I do via uh, uh, tournaments, as I do Barney and Will. Um, But either way, this is an exciting tournament. Sadly, I have to. I had to miss the first day. I mean, I was working on the Saturday morning anyway, um, uh, so. I was going to miss the first couple of games, no matter what, um, and then just just because of packing, I thought, right, well, I'll crack on and and squeeze loads of packing in on a lovely Saturday afternoon and evening. Huzzah! What a way to spend the day. Um, so I've, uh, I've I've decided to only do three out of the six games, um, which is fine, which is fine. Um, you know, it was too late to to get a refund for the list anyway. I'm sure Will would have given me it, but um, uh, you know, that's just the the way of things. But because he's a nice guy, but um, you know. It was like a week before, and I knew the knew that I was going to move house and you know anyway so uh, but without going into too much detail, this is a nine hundred point tournament which I really like the sound of um, Will likes to do these um, really quite high points limits uh, tournaments for uh, an annual tournament I think last time he did this was in Ripon in Yorkshire where he used to live and he did I think 1,250 um, so it was a really big one and I took my uh, three trebuchets list which was great fun I actually did alright with it I think I won two or three of my games out of six so I'm pretty happy with that um, and uh, we've got another one so I've got three games today so here we go here we go, we're bringing back the Easterlings, yes, yes, I know, I'm sorry if you're getting bored of hearing me uh, get smashed with Easterlings every episode, but I'm determined to make them work, I really am, really am determined, I'm really d- determined to get my head around them and to work out how uh, how they can do the, do the deed and win some games, so... Um, so we've got 900 points, uh, we've got um, random games, so it's not um, using the match play guide in the way that um, is recommended by rolling via the pools. It's actually just randomly rolling um, throughout all the 18 scenarios, so we could end up with Contest of Champions, Lords of Battles, and you know whatever the other one is in that uh, pool. So that's interesting. Um, and obviously, uh, I've missed the first... Day, so I'm right at the bottom of the rankings. Um, I've actually had a look at the uh, the list already of people who are doing really well. And so uh, when you hear this, you'll uh, you, you might already know the answers if you're uh, that way inclined um, to follow those things. But I know for a fact that currently Rob White and Jay Claire are going to be playing on the top table for uh, for glory. Um, so there you go. And then in in the wings are Callum Edens, uh, who's a a top tier player who I think I've I've definitely spoken to before at Ardecon, um, and I can't remember uh, when if if we've ever played before. Uh, he, he certainly was. Oh, he was the winner of the first tournament uh, that I went to as part of the podcast. So re- rewind all the way back to that, and you'll find out more about that. um And some other top tier players in there: uh, Sean Sprawl, uh, Calvin Steele's Right, Tom Wang, George Stromberg, all in the top sort of four tables. So that's interesting. So, with that in mind, um, uh, I'm going to be right at the bottom. And I, I thought that that was a good thing. I thought that the ringer was playing um, playing instead of me. But it turned out uh, there was an odd number of players. So, uh, the is now going to be playing me. So, that means I'm playing Will Champion, you know, the league winner <laughs> of the uh, league last year in the first game. So, interesting, but either way, we need to build an army that's going to be beating 900 points of whatever th- filth. Will is bringing Bearing in mind he's a ringer So I, I might have a chance against him But even so This is Will Champion We're talking about He's a top tier player He won L- uh, Lord of the Imps At my tournament And he won the league And uh, pretty much every time he plays He's on the top t- tables If not uh, winning Or on the podium At the very least So with that in mind With that in mind Let's build an army
1: Ask. Warrior. Build me an army Worthy of all
0: so as I mentioned, it's 900 points, so we're building another Easterling army, and I, I think one of the advantages of, of building an army of Easterlings at 900 points is that I don't have to make any difficult choices. I think at 600 points, you really have to make a difficult choice as a dead Ardicon. Um, at 800, I think it's probably, you've probably got some room to manoeuvre, but at 900... Yeah, there's loads of room, you can get loads of stuff in here so that's what exactly what I'm going to do I'm going to start though by uh, dropping in a, a guy I haven't used yet and which was recommended to me by Geordie uh, in my last episode uh, Geordie from Australia who's uh, who does well in tournaments with uh, Easterlings down in Australia or certainly uh, likes to think he's a top tier guy uh, with Easterlings we'll see how he fares in the next uh, few tournaments he plays but uh, he, he recommended this to me so I'm going to do this here we go, we start with leader Kamal the Easterling with a fell beast, yeah, and um, this is something that um Tim, my friend uh, who 's on the podcast a fair bit, uh, recommended as well. He just rates kamal um over over people like Amder. um he, he just he, he said, oh well, you know you 've got the magic you 've got the the ability to be fight six if you need it you 've got the killing power that you don 't have a lot with Easterlings. I kind of agree in the past, I found that. Um, it's he's a tricky piece to play he's a really tricky piece to play um, and I think I think I'm going to struggle to get my head around how to use him, I've used him in practice games before but sadly I couldn't have a 900 point practice game, I did have one arranged but just moving house and things was just just got in the way so um so there we go we start that come on at the Easterling with felby so 170 points at the top of the list there then we've got four Easterling warriors with shield uh, one with a bow uh, so yes I am actually using those uh, bows from the kit uh, then two Easterling warriors with pike and shield and then four black dragon warriors with pike and shield and then three dragon cult acolytes so So you've got seven warriors, so half of them are fight four, you've got a bow, uh, so you get in there, and we've got a pike, uh, a couple of pikes and a couple of warriors. So uh, I I don't know whether the the makeup's quite right there, but I've got enough pikes, uh, fight four pikes, to sort of back up a, a decent phalanx there, so I'm happy with that. Uh, warband 2. This is kind of my favourite warband, actually. Uh, this is Easterling Dragon Knight with Armoured Horse, of course. Uh, and he, with him, he has four black dragon cataphracts, one of whom has a war drum and one of whom has swapped his weapon for an axe. Uh, the other two are just normal. So um, this was a theory that uh, came from uh, the Green Dragon podcast, uh, the Swap Weapons. Um, they, they suggested that maybe, or I think it was um, Matt um, on the Eastling episode said that he reckons that the cataphracts just don't have enough hitting power but, given an, an axe maybe Maybe they've got it. So fight four with the potential to be strength four. But, of course, the downside being potential to be defense three if you squiff it. But um, there you go. That's potential. It's just an extra bit of hitting power. And also it was one point and I needed a point to spend somewhere. And I thought, why not? Uh, It adds a bit of spice for the models as well. So I had a bit of conversion work um, on some of them. So I might as well do it. Um, So uh, carry on there. So we've got four uh, in that warband alongside the Dragon Knight. Then warband number three. Uh, we've got Eastling War Priest. Um, some people have uh, have said, "Not sure about the War Priest." I think you need a Captain. You need the March. Um, you have got the Drum, so I am not that worried about um, March. Uh, the, the second point of Might is useful, but I tell you what's more useful is being able to pump the Dragon Knight or Amda full of uh, Strength Six to just make sure that heroic combat happens, to make sure the you know, they kill that uh, crucial hero if they've got a chance, you've got a defence seven or eight or nine even hero, then you just, extra point, uh, extra two points of strength is just so valuable. So, uh, Eastling War is for that. I mean, uh, Fury is useful as well if you're against the right army, but often if there's Fury, there's people with Sap Will. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think it can be useful. It, it's, it definitely can be useful. Um, and I suppose often, uh, you know, if you've got, say, you're against a, a, a Ringwraith army, you know you can put fury or say angmar you can put fury up and uh, it provides another essential target for them to cast magic on and maybe means that amdo isn't going to get uh, or, or kamul isn't going to get targeted too much or whatever anyway so uh, war priest he's got with him a warrior with a shield uh, two warriors with bow one warrior with banner and shield so I've got the banner in there I've got an actual physical banner this time uh, which I I really got frustrated with in uh, Ardicon where I didn't have the physical banner I had the banner effects off Amdur and off the uh, chariot but I just I didn't have the actual banner which meant I was down I was already uh, down in one scenario especially against Boromir um, where I I really needed to kill Boromir to take the banner and the leader which is a big ask um, and I couldn't just avoid him so that was yeah, and obviously you want to avoid Boromir as much as you can. And um, so then you go. Uh, we carry on with that. So we've, so far we've got one warrior with shield, two with bow, one with banner and shield, four black dragons with pike and shield. So they're the fight for courage, four guys. Um, so not bad, not bad pike supports there, and another dragon cult acolyte. And I really rate these dragon cult acolytes. Um, I've I've really enjoyed playing them. Fight for throwing weapons two attacks it's just it's just monstrous it, it, and the jumping thing o- over barriers is actually way more useful than you'd think so uh, we'll carry on um, for the final warband so there's only nine models in eastling war, war band uh, we've got Amder, lord of blades with armored horse of course and he's got with him two warriors with bow four warriors with pike and shield three black dragons with pike and shield and three dragon cult acolytes so um there you go. So I've got actually got a f- fair few bows, or a fair f- more bows than I'd usually have anyway. So I've got four, I think, uh, five bows. So that's not bad. I've got a lot of throwing weapons. Got seven Dragon Cult acolytes with throwing weapons. They're really cool. I like that. Um, and obviously, and um, the the warriors. Uh, this is something that people forget. Warriors with bow. Don't need to stand at the back and shoot with their bows. And I see this with people all the time, especially Lothlorien armies. I don't know why Lothlorien armies are like this, but people with Lothlorien armies, some for some reason, they like to have Haldir, one of their only strikers, and like eight elves standing at the back shooting arrows. And good armies just should not be doing that at all. I mean, evil armies—it's—it's also a waste after a while. But they just stand at the back and they shoot twice and the rest of the army moves forward and then you've lost all your models so i'm putting the bows in in the warbands mixing them together to make sure that i've got some um, bows if i need to need to shoot things out of combat or whatever it is and uh, and also the the defense 5 cuz they're not got a shield but you know pfft. What do I care? You know, strength three against defense five. It's it's fives, but still, at least at least if I win with I've got two pikes behind them, I'm more and more than likely going to win. So I'm quite happy with that. So I'll I'll use them in combat a fair bit. uh, I hope, if I remember, and um, that's it. So I've got forty three models. So no no Candish uh, thing, this is pure Eastlings. and um, so forty-three models at nine hundred points. I'm quite happy with that actually. Um, you know, usually I like to go with sort of uh you know, take a zero off the sum uh, uh off the end of the thing and halve it. So for nine hundred points, take a zero off, that's ninety, halve it is forty-five. That's the kind of average I'm looking for. But I've got four uh, three big heroes, three hitters. i have got some magic, i have got a monster, I've got a fair amount of elite troops as well. Uh, and also the cavalry, so I've got four four uh, cataphracts in there as well. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy with this list. Um, will it be able to survive against Will Champion, whatever he's brought? I mean, he's a great player. He's a ringer, but he's a great player. Um, so I don't know. I'm aiming. I'm hoping to lose the first game and then win the second two. That's what I, I'm. But I'm well. I'm not hoping for that. I'm hoping for three wins, obviously. But I, I think. If I if I do if I play it right, I could win two out of my three games today, and that would be glorious. I've got enough models. I've got the the flexibility for all the scenarios. I've got the movement. I've got the you know I've got the potential for the big pipe blocks. I've got the the heroes that can immobilise things if I need to. And I've got Amda, who's really good against heroes, and he can go and just mash into stuff now because he's not the leader. Uh, Kamal's going to be a bit more cautious, probably uh, trying to just clear out the troops really. Um, you know, get a couple of kills a turn. Make sure he keeps sort of even on his will. Uh, you know, because uh, if you if you don't haven't come across Komal before, he doesn't have to spend a point of will um, if he's in combat, uh, as most those do, as long as he wounds something and he he gets basically gets a uh, a point of will back every time he wounds something. So that's good. Um, so I so I'm looking forward to that. And the Dragon Knight combo with uh, Amda, they can be sort of assassins and just mash through captains and things like that so that's the idea we'll see if it works i'm heading off in a matter of seconds but first it's time for
2: riddles of the dark I precious. precious
0: yes it's the part of the podcast where we guess well, who speaks next and what they say after playing a short clip from The Lord of the Rings, all the Hobbit trilogies of films. And this is going to get really interesting. I haven't really thought about this. Next year, if the podcast is still going and I'm still alive and well, um, September next year, we're going to start getting funky with the riddles because there'll be a new TV series to delve into. Isn't that exciting? What an exciting prospect. Right, I, I also take this opportunity to have a, have a delve into the inbox for a few messages coming into entmootpodcast at com. Feel free to get in touch with either ridiculous answers uh, to the riddles or just questions about the podcast or my lists, or anything really or maybe even suggestions. Maybe you'd like me to use uh, an army or something that uh, that you've never heard before and you'd like me to give it a go. There's a good chance that I might be willing to do it because I have pretty much all of them, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Right, let's crack on uh, and delve into the first email, which is from William Surridge. Um, And, of course, before we get to that, uh, the riddle in the dark from last episode, 42, uh, sounded a little bit like this. Yes, yeah, so that's the clip. Uh, I, all I needed you to do was get in touch and tell me who speaks next and what they say. Right, William Surridge. Uh, he says, uh, Hi, Harry. Glad to hear you're back on form after your illness and seriously impressed with how much content you're putting out in such a short time about Ardicon. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to think that it 's actually more it 's a selfish reason it 's because I hate um, having a long period of time editing something. Um, if I have a big project on the go that i haven 't edited, it hangs over my head, and I just take even longer to do it. Uh, see my youtube channel for uh, for information about that because I still haven 't uploaded a big project that i 've been working on since, oh, God knows, uh, May or something stupid. I mean, various things have got in the way, but still, it takes ages, and then as soon as it's something takes ages, I hate it. So uh, that is the reason, but uh, I appreciate it. And you think the Riddle in the Dark this week, we hear blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Ah, okay, okay, actually, we're okay to say it. You've got the right moment. I think that in the Riddle in the Dark this week, we hear Eowyn beheading the fell beast. The next line is you have killed my st- well, you have killed my steed, from the Witch King. Thinking about that, I don't actually think he says that in the film. I've checked the book, he only says that in the radio adaption, a little bit of exposition for the uh, for the listener. Is the next line Merry calling Eowyn Eowyn? Hmm, interesting. Although I'm glad Aeon got more powerful in this edition, it annoys me that it's impossible for her to kill the Felbeast in one go, as she does in the book and film. Maybe she needs a special rule for monster slaying. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Yeah, she does behead it in one fell swoop, and she's only got two attacks, hasn't she? And... Uh Maybe with maybe with Mary uh, and Dernhelm, and then you got three attacks. I don't know, but good point. Maybe if she char- no, she can't charge because the monstrous, uh, monstrous charge, monstrous cavalry. Oh well, uh, yeah, you good, good point, William. That's interesting. Um, sorry for another long email, but thoroughly enjoying the podcast as always. Thanks, William. Uh, you got the riddle wrong, but you know you're pretty close. Um... Ryan Coops, he's been in touch and he's pretty straightforward. He just says the answer to the riddle and bang on the money, Ryan. Uh, you've got it right. I'll reveal the answer in a second. And you say, love hearing about Ardacon. Glad to, uh, glad to report on it for you. Um, Callum morsman has been in touch as well. He says, fantastic episode as usual, Harry, and really loving the Ardacon coverage. The deep dive into Eastlings was very interesting and looking forward to hearing of your many successful games with the army. More on that later in the podcast, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, great riddles in the dark and possibly my favourite scene from the movies the next line is of course dot 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 yes you're correct you're correct and um Callum says uh, definitely need to do this as a diorama slash display board when I get round to doing uh, that army keep up with the great content thank you very much Callum. Neil's been in touch Neil uh, who of course was in the previous episode Um, he was at Articon and give me a good smash Um, so thanks very much Neil for getting in touch Uh, glad glad to hear you enjoyed it and actually you did very well in the tournament from what I gather you were you were up there in the sort of top uh, top ten, I think. In the end, was it? Or maybe, maybe somewhere around there. Anyway, either way, well done. Um, you're certainly playing harder opponents um, after after shooting your way to the top of the uh, of the sort of scoreboard. Either way, Neil says hi, Harry. Great to see you again at Ardicon, and belated to be in the podcast twice, and oh, elated to be in the podcast twice. I'm finally emailing after being a long time listener and being in episode four in Seven Stones, but a first time email. Yes, that's strange. You've been in the podcast three times. But you've never emailed it. How dare you? Um, that's that's fine. You you're more than welcome to. Let us know which improvements you decide to take on reflection. This is about the Eastlings, I'm guessing. Maybe the king is pay- maybe the king is paying a lot of points for his banner and would be better off as a chief, as he has a similar advantages, freeing up. For, uh, freeing up 40 points for more dudes or another chariot yeah yeah so we were discussing in the last episode about the king on chariot uh is he worth it i'm still not sure i think the the banner 120 uh, for 125 points the king on chariot is pretty good i think it's the strike that i i like on him because he has that potential to to you know dominate something and just re- it, once you've sort of taken away their might and things like that and um, a strike and uh, knocking down and all that sort of stuff, especially um, some of the uh, sort of weaker cavalry heroes. But yeah, good point from Neil. Um, yeah, and uh, I think Geordie made the same sort of assessment that maybe a, a chief on chariot is is the better move. Um, although, uh, as we've already found in this episode, I've decided to steer away from the Candish. Maybe I'll do uh, all Candish at some point, um, but um, and go for pure Eastlings. I think, because I've got the points to spend. Uh, anyway, uh, says Neil, my guess for the riddle in the dark was the final... Da, 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 da. Yes, you're great. you've you got it. Uh, ooh, ooh, hey, wait a second. Wait a second, you haven't got it quite right. You're getting close, though. Uh, we're, we're in the right ballpark with, uh, with both yourself and William Bur- uh, William Burridge. Uh, Surridge, sorry. Um, you say, anyway, my guess for the riddles in the dark was the final fate of the Witch King, where the Witch King grabs Eowyn by the neck and says, "'You fool, no man can kill me. "'Die now!' But her followed by getting shanked by Mary and his barrow blade, and Eowyn stabbing him in the face, I am no man. So you think the next line is said by the Witch King? It's incorrect, but it's the right sort of area. I love this. I love that everyone's getting in the same area, which is brilliant. Um, this is from Michael Haskell. Uh, I, I think, that, oh, sorry, was there a final... Anyway, I hope you're well, says Neil. Thanks very much. Uh, then Michael Haskell was in touch. He said, halfway through Articon Part 3, and another thought... You and your opponent are talking about how Durin and the King's Champion underperformed, i.e. the Dice Gods. Or should it be the Dice Imps were at play? Yeah, this is good. Uh, It's a good point. Um, What is it that top table players do to minimise this? I recall one of Jay's games where he bundled in loads of models, but my initial impression was that that was for the heroic combat move off potential. But I'm wondering if top players simply, chess-like, are better at manoeuvring their pieces to maximise combat wins where it really matters. Thoughts. Wow, this is this is a topic that I don't feel qualified at all to speak on. Um, it's a really interesting message, Michael. And um, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I do. Th- I think that um, I guess that uh, top tier players really know if a combat is important, and if, for example, in Contest of Champions, where a hero really needs to win a combat in order to, you know, get the kills. And I suspect in that sort of situation they will do exactly this sort of thing and and really, really um, push, uh, you know, I suppose, push the scales in their favour, tip the scales in their favour. And I guess, you know, if, say, for example, you've got Durin in that situation and you need him to kill one model, um, usually you're OK with it. But it's not impossible for, a, a, you know, a guy with three attacks to, you know, squiff it and not roll a six. But if you had three attacks plus four... Uh, Dwarves you're going to get that win and Durin is more than likely going to kill something so I guess, in that instance, maybe that's the way to do it. Um, sometimes, I think also, uh, I, I, f- I can't remember exactly the uh, the game because there were two Dürin and King's Champion uh, matches in Ardekon. But um, I, I think there was one uh, period where Dürin didn't have a banner in the right spot and the King's Champion did. But just generally, I think they were just unlucky. And I'm not sure there was much that you, he could have done um, to to counteract those those just underperformances um, from from those things, but I suspect um, the way to do it is to not overly rely on those things. If you're if you're heavily relying in a game on, for example, one model to do really well, and then and you don't sort of back them up with loads of stuff, are they going to? It, it, are you sort of I guess leaning on them too much, uh, and therefore relying on that that going well too much? and i think that's probably the case gen- uh, generally that, that sort of weaker players including myself rely on something like a 60% chance to win something i'm not a particularly mathematical person but you know say for example you need to get a 5 a 5 on a dice uh, sorry a, a, i don't know not a 1 or 2 you've got a 60% chance or 66% or whatever chance of getting that but perhaps better players will go to win this game this needs to be better than 66% and i need to rely on a 80% chance or a 90% chance of winning something so maybe maybe that's maybe that's a really it's a really good point um i feel like michael that's a question for uh, somebody else at some other point and i'll try and remember it but i definitely think you're right um what what, what do top table players do to minimize bad luck um I I know I've spoken to Jay off off um off the cassette uh, off the recording and um he sort of said things you know he's mentioned dice to me before he said you know I've I just I just got really unlucky I remember I can't remember which I think it was it was one it was like the league opener or something uh, of the uh, Hobbit League Great British Hobbit League in 2018 I think it might have been or 19 and he did really badly on day one. Um, and he just he just said, ah, oh, I I just lost. And he was hoping that he was going to do better on the second day, with because it was the same army. And he did do much better on the second day, I think. But um, either way, interesting. Uh, I guess you can just get diced, and maybe even the best players are going to struggle to counteract that. But I suspect more often than not, they uh, they're getting themselves into a position where they don't need to rely on a, a fifty or over just over fifty percent chance of winning. Still, interesting question, Michael. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, Darren's also been in touch. Uh, He's got a really long message, actually. Um, So I'll just read through this. He says, I finally know an answer... To the riddles in the dark. No, you don't, because I've just read ahead. Uh, I expect everyone will get this. If it was easy enough for even the likes of me, oh God, you've set yourself up for failure here, Darren. I'm so sorry. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's of course the. <laughs> I love it. You're confident. You're so confident. It's fantastic. It's of course the fight between Eowyn and the Witch King, who then says, "You fool, no man can kill me." <laughs> I love it. You're so wrong. I mean, you're definitely right in, in terms of where you're thinking. You can hear the sound of the, uh, the fell beast and the, uh, the witch king, but that's not the next line. Oh, I love that I foxed a few of you. Excellent. Um, anyway, while I've got you, Darren says, I really enjoyed your Ardicon episodes, even though I already knew the sad results. Yes, of course, Darren was uh, part of the Entmoot team at Ardicon, so we were getting regular updates in our little group. He says, I have to say, I entirely agree about the format of the final round. As you may remember, we dashed off because, like many people, we finished our sixth game before time. And the prospect of waiting for the rest of the sixth round, followed by a break, then a two hour game that we can't even watch because it's at a distance so as not to distract the players, then another break to finally get an award ceremony and then drive three hours home is just sweary, crossed out, just silly. Yeah, it's just effin' ridiculous. Yeah, and, and this is something that I spoke about in the uh, part three of the Ardecon coverage. Um, the uh, They have this th- weird thing where, essentially, you, you're waiting. Um, you play six games, and then you wait for a championship round for the top two players to duke it out to win. And I still don't get it. I still don't get why that round has to be separate and nobody else is playing a seventh game. Um, why can't we just have a seventh game for the whole tournament? And you know, we actually—I don't know—we actually get to get to play games, and rather than sitting around watching, um, even even if we were watching an amazingly um, choreographed thing where they're in a different room and we've got commentary or whatever, I can't help but think that um, everyone sitting around for two hours is a waste of time. And um, as Darren's pointed out, uh, you know. Uh, if uh, yeah, what did you say? It was um, finished our sixth game before time. Waiting for the rest of the sixth round, followed by a break, two hour game, then another break, then an award ceremony, then drive three hours home is effing uh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's hard to argue against it. I mean, part of me wants to be nice and say I want to go to the award ceremony, I want to give people their fair dues, um, but the other part of me thinks, yeah, that it is a long way, and especially after a four day weekend, whatever, then. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, but interesting point, Darren. I'm not sure it's going to change, if I'm honest, because this point has been raised many times before about Ardagon. And I think James, the organiser, wants it to be a, a sort of big finale that everyone watches and they have t- coverage. That didn't happen this year, but I think it should, it should be improved if there's a way of uh, making it so that we can have commentary and everyone get everyone involved in it. Um, but even then... I think I'd prefer to be playing a game myself than watching a game. It'd be great if there's great coverage and commentary and all that sort of stuff that we can watch back um, afterwards. But hmm. anyway, uh, interesting point, interesting point, Darren. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned in the last episode, I kind of agree with you. Uh, Also, uh, says Darren, it is a long one. um, I'll be really interested to see where you go with Easterlings. Maybe you'll be reading this just after you've discussed building an army of them on your next adventure, correct? And if so, maybe you'll have dealt with the following problem. Oh no, maybe I haven't. It always seems like there aren't enough points for them, I think, in this one. Yeah. At any level, says Darren. Hmm. Uh, Your last podcast was a good example of this. In the discussion you had, it came up that war drums are an auto-include, you need a banner, you need a wide phalanx, you need some black dragon upgrades, you need Kamul on a fell beast, and ideally one or two Dragon Knights. Not to mention the War Priest for Fury, Captain for the March and Drum Combo, or an Allied Chariot. How to build that list that actually has enough troop support, might, and combat threats always seems an impossible task whenever I try to do it. I hope you can succeed where I have, as usual, failed. All the best. Darren, sorry, if, PS, sorry if this is a bit long. Um, I think you're right. I, I think uh, the, the, the difficulty with building an Eastling army, I guess, is the fact that you have weaknesses everywhere that you need to mitigate with like you mentioned the banner the phalanx the wide phalanx and um, the wardroom um the dragon knights or kamal uh, sorry not kamal the dragon knights or amda who can get the might back because you're low on might as it is uh war priest of fury i'm not sure you need fury as much as all that um i think courage four is okay generally um but yeah fury can be very useful in certain situations sorry for example against the uh, army of the dead um, or Angmar, but even Angmar, you know, you're going to get your, your will sapped away, aren't you? Probably. Um, either way, uh, and Captain, I don't think you need the march and the drum. Uh, drum. I've decided I don't think you do. Um, I, as, you've, as you've already heard. 900 points, maybe maybe it's just that Easterlings work at higher points levels. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but it's interesting, and hopefully I can uh, fine-tune this and get better with them, and hopefully we'll sort it out. But anyway, thank you very much. Darren, um, we've only had one correct answer for the riddle so far and Christian Brighty is in touch as well final uh, final uh, email says hi Harry long time listener here absolutely love your podcast and all the collabs with the Green Dragon Gang your underused models episode with them is excellent oh thanks Christian uh, yeah that's I think it's a, a long time ago now um, I think that was probably a year and a bit ago where we built armies uh, maybe even longer, God, it might be two years ago, uh, where we built armies out of models that aren't used enough in the game. I think it's all changed a bit since the rules, and you've got a few legions now, but either way, it was a good one. And he says, Christian says, I think I know this riddle in the dark. Absolutely can't believe I got this one. I'm absolutely lost whenever it's the Hobbit. The first part had me convinced it was going to be the Witch King, but I'm pretty sure the scene cuts, and it's Gerrit's. Late as usual, pirate scum. There's knife work here that needs doing. Only 20 minutes into the podcast, so no idea whether you manage the four wins. Is it disloyal to guess you'll maybe manage three or just outing myself as an Entmoot completionist? Hope to catch you at a tournament one day. Are you attending the Strider Cup in October? Currently using your BGIME guide for my Tom Bombadil. Um, Keep up the excellent work. It's been such a wholesome tonic over the last year. Thanks. Uh, Best, says Christian. Uh, So in in answer to your last things... um, I, you don't think I'll manage to get four wins is it disloyal to guess maybe we'll have th- three well I got two <laughs> so uh, two hundred on jaw uh, but so maybe you were just being honest um, I hope to catch you at a tournament are you attending the Strider Cup in October no I'm attending lots of tournaments in October not the Strider Cup sadly London's just a bit awkward it's really expensive to get to drive in all that sort of stuff I, I'd get the train perhaps if I was going um uh, so I generally avoid London tournaments generally, um, I do make an exception for Seven Stones, because um, it's it's just fun, and um, Michael and I like to go to that, um, but I, I, I probably will go to it at some point, it does sound like it's really cool, I think you have to choose like a uh, a Valor hero or something and you, it's like a, the best hero wins and there's a knockout tournament something like that uh, it, it's, it sounds different and I quite like the idea of it but no I'm not I'm going to like two or three tournaments in uh, October as it is so I definitely need to uh, curb that back but there's lots of podcast content coming because of those um, and also thanks for using my um, uh, YouTube channel's guide for painting guide for Tom Bombadil I think that was one of my earliest painting guides got a little, little flower on him but yeah I'm glad you liked it uh, thanks very much for the email Christian and as we heard in there the answer was, of course, Guritz to the Riddles in the Dark, not the Witch King. Uh, Callum and uh, Christian got it right, but Darren, despite his confidence, didn't get it right. Uh, Ryan, uh, oh, Ryan Coops also got it right, um, and William Surridge almost got it right, but you said it was um, Eowyn and uh, the Witch King as well, and you're not right, and I think uh, Neil got it wrong as well. You got the wrong, uh, right time wrong answer. So here we go. Here's the full clip of the riddle in the dark from last time. There you go. Guritz was the answer to the Riddle in the Dark this time. Now, uh, we'll keep this very brief because um, I've ravaged on about the uh, uh, Riddle in the Dark for quite some time now, and we've still got the meat of the episode to come at the tournament at Gondolin. But this is this episode's Riddle in the Dark. Who speaks next, and what do they say? entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next in the clip and what they say Uh, this is from either the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit trilogy, let's have another listen ooh, tricky one, tricky one one more time, one more time okay there we go podcast at gmail.com if you think you know the answer to that and of course as many people did uh, this episode including Darren uh, Christian and Neil and um, uh, Michael Haskell all got in touch about a lot of different things um, so great uh, and uh, Callum as well and Ryan and William um, thanks very much for all of you for getting in touch drop an email entmootpodcast at gmail.com if, even if you don't know the answer to the Rinal of the Dark or you don't fancy a guess get in touch because it's always nice to have your comments and uh, start some discussions. Excellent. Thank you very much for getting in touch everyone. Uh, Riddle in the dark will be answered next episode. But in the meantime, it's time to go on an adventure. We're off to Nottingham, we're off to the Seventh City Collectibles for the Gates of Gondolin. Here! Mr. Bilbo,
2: where are you off oh, to? I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure!
0: So, Game 1, but actually kind of meant to be Game 4, but we'll ignore that for the moment. <laughs> it's Game 4, uh, Game 1 for me, of uh, the Gates of Gondolin, and I'm playing against James. James, not Will Champion, as I was told, because someone else dropped out at the last minute uh, last night, so it meant that I'm playing an actual competitor who really wants to get stuck in. So, James, first of all, before uh, we get into uh, the match review, what, what, did you, uh, what did you bring, and
3: um, did you fancy your chances against the Easterlings? Uh, so I brought just a normal Rivendell list uh, Three warbands One with uh, Gilgalad on horse of shield uh, And then he had seven knights One with banner And then just some friends with uh, spears and shields And then some other friends with some uh, shields And then uh, there was just a rest door With a, a full warband with a banner And then uh, just swordsman And then shield and spears And then same with uh, a uh, high-off captain So 41 models in uh, total and a scary number of, uh, of elves there. I mean, I've only got two more than
0: you. I mean, yes, I've got a monster and uh, a couple more bigger-hitting heroes, but when you saw it, and bearing in mind this is Storm the Camp we're playing, so this is a very movement-based scenario. We've got to try and capture each
3: of those camps. Um, what did you think? Did you have a plan? Did you, did you sort of know what you were going to do? Not really. I was just sort of seeing how things developed. I was going to hang back with a war band and defend the camp, but then I saw Kamal just flying around, and I just thought, there's no way... I can sort of prevent him getting in behind me so I thought I'd just focus on killing and then once once I'd reduced your numbers I could sort of disperse back towards the objectives um, and once you uh, shot Gilgalad off his horse uh, kind of meant Gilgalad just had to wade into wade into things uh, yeah <laughs> and i think he was very decisive i mean he did wade in and he did churn through uh, these thinglings like
0: butter i mean yes he was a bit slower uh, perhaps a lukewarm knife rather than a hot knife through butter but still he, he was churning through them pretty decisively um, but I, I i think the main the main conflict here was the was the Rivendell knights on the right as you mentioned i'd already shot them a couple of times had taken out two horses including Gilgalad's horse uh, with only two bows on that flank which was pretty impressive a uh, very lucky shot early on took out gilgalad 's horse, but I think I, the, the main flaw in my plan was that i didn 't have enough to stop the the, the knights g- breaking through.
3: I mean I held them off for a while, but not long enough ultimately yeah I suppose it 's quite difficult because um, obviously I was able to get the charge off a couple of times and you know, when I've got the fight value and a lance and angry elves, there's not too much you can do, I suppose. But um, I think that certainly changed things because um, it just meant I was able to, um, you know, run run the rest of my nights off. Um, but going back to the bow, though, I think that's definitely man of the match. <laughs> um, so he moved both, for both shots. He'd already moved, and he shot Gilglad's horse in sort of the second turn and then he shot another knight's horse the turn after so I mean he died horribly in the end but he's definitely a man of the match So, yeah yeah, I totally agree man of the match uh, easterling with Archer I, I, with Bow. I mean I, and I to, usually never bring them
0: so you know it was great, great that they were there and I, I think tactically and um, I don't, I, I don't know whether you had a particular sort of strategy. I mean, you sort of mentioned you wanted to try and um, hold back a bit, but you didn't really do that in the end. So you were, it was kind of more like you were break, trying to break through with those knights and push towards your, your camp. And in the middle, you were basically fighting my whole phalanx uh, with, with all your elves against all my easterlings. Um, and I, I kind of tried to crack the, the back of your spear line with the dragon knight uh, at the... Amdur and a couple of the other guys and as you mentioned Kamal sort of floating around on the flanks waiting for a chance to, to nab the odd bloke but also I, I kind of moved him to that side in the hope that you'd pull your army that way and also to avoid your bow shot so um, what, what were you trying to do to counter to counter those big heroes
3: there? Well I suppose I started off thinking because on the board there's a few choke points I sort of started off thinking I don't want to be caught in a choke point because even though I have higher fight you can just push through with a pike block and then maybe with a few heroes you can break through and then I'll, I'll be in trouble so what I tried to do in the end was sort of stretch out your pike block a little bit so we were mostly even on numbers and obviously if I have two guys with a banner reroll and the higher fight it's pretty good odds um, and I was basically just trying to stop your heroes from breaking the line so I kept a few guys behind the line um, just in case. But I think Arrestor sort of helped out with um you know, with the fight six and so did the captain. So I was just kind of basically trying to delay your heroes. And sort of crunched through the rest, and um, I think it ended up working, working okay. But I certainly didn't start with with that in mind. It sort of just happened. But. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, I, I did. Char- I charged in with Amdur and the uh,
0: Dragon Knight, called a couple of heroic combats early on, and I did churn through quite a few L's in the end. I got maybe it must be nearly ten just from those two alone, and then the other guys maybe picked up the odd kill here or there. But um, I, my main objective was to crack through, get the. Um, Captain or arrestor, or maybe both, if I was lucky, uh, and claim some might points back and crack through. But I, I think I was hampered. I've lost a few priority rolls in a row, um, which just forced me to spend the might in times that I didn't really want to for heroic moves, because I wanted to get those charges off so that I could kill more troops. And it just meant that I was halting at the wrong time. And uh, and you know, I'm not to complain about dice rolls because that's that is the game ultimately. But those 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 couple in a row that just meant I didn't quite capitalize on the charges and all that sort of stuff meant. That I was bumping up against it, and then as soon as you got Erastorins combat with Amdur, I was like, ah, I just didn't have enough resources to to take him on because I was waiting for you to strike. It wasn't going to happen because you were, you knew I'd get a free one back, um, and then ultimately it was just dice off a roll off. Once people who got sixes, and eventually I lost, uh, I, lost uh, I lost the uh, one of the roll offs and well two roll offs in a row, and then uh, then he died. So I think that that once those heroes went down, it was a, a losing battle for me, but. I did have a little bit of a, a tricksy ploy up my sleeve because uh, at one point I had I'd worked out in my head if I lose enough models to be quartered, Kamul is within com- a, a heroic combat range of the um, uh, of the camp, so I, I had this clever plan i thought all oh, right okay three dice on that one elf spend a point of will do that i even sent six spent six dice on a black dart to try and get Gilgalad, uh, take an extra wound off him if i was lucky it didn't work um you resisted it but i had this heroic combat set up and um and then i fluffed the dice and for me that that was the biggest role for for the game because before then i thought if he gets off and moves into the camp everything else dies i can stab i can charge Gilgalad and stab him and and he'll kill me and all that sort of stuff um and then but it just failed because and that was kind of my one little hope and it just failed sadly
3: but um and and then i kind of revealed my plan what did you what did you think once i'd revealed that yeah that was really clever because um by that point i was winning sort of the, the the big fight basically the the main battle and i would have lost in a really really stupid way basically so um yes i'm glad that elf shielding saved my bacon um yeah, I I I would hope that the game wouldn't have ended that turn but obviously with you stabbing and yeah it's it's difficult it, it could have it could have worked quite well and um I think you'd have on, been on six victory points, and I'd have been on three. So um, that, that that would have that was that was very cheeky, I liked that.
0: It, it would have been a really cheesy way to take the win, but it would have been it would have been a win nonetheless, and that's what that's what I'm after. But,
3: cheeky not cheesy? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, cheeky. Well, both, both. I think both. Um, but either way, it, it did work out uh, in in the end for you. Uh, it ended up as a six-three victory to you. So it just that that that. Failure uh, flipped the rules on its head because um, neither of us had wounded our leader. I took taken Gilgalad's horse out, um, but Camul was very, very distant for the whole of the game, intentionally so. I want. I knew he was never going to survive in combat against uh, against the elf uh, the elven heroes because you know. All, I'd just be running out of will so quickly and Gilglad uh, hovering around I don't want to get involved with that so I, I just avoided everything and waited for the chance to hover him into the thing but um Gil-Galad survived um, and then you broke me but I didn't break you I was way off despite my early successes killing through stuff there just
3: wasn't enough I think how many models off in the end about 8, 9, something like that maybe I 10 think, I think it was um, I think you killed about 13 so I think my break when I've lost 21 I think I, I break at that point So, but I think In the first few turns of combat, because you did get the charges off and you did heroic combat, I think both the Dragon Knight and Amda probably killed about... What, three, three each a turn, maybe? Mm. So I think, yeah, I lost about half that in one turn, which was scary. But um, like, like you said, there was a couple of priorities that didn't go your way. And I think it was probably about 50-50 on the roll-off. Oh, yeah, but but 100%. I, I think the ones you lost, though, were the important ones, weren't they? They,
0: they did blunt my, uh, blunt my charge at a time when I really didn't want it to be blunted. Uh, in particular, and, and the, there was another roll-off when I had a... Um, I'd, I'd raft Amda. He charged into Arrestor. Um, and in the hope for winning that one and I, yes I was mobbed so I, I was still um, I think it was my four dice with a banner against your five dice perhaps in total so you know I was hoping for another roll off there but if I'd got that one I'd have had the strength six kill arrest, or maybe another guy and then I'd yeah I'd like my chances at that point but yeah. such is the way of things I, I lose uh, the game I'm still on the bottom tables but it's only up from here James well done in the uh, win it was a cracking game uh,
3: and, and good luck for the rest of the day yeah you too thanks I've really enjoyed that
0: So it's game two on day number two of the Gates of Gondolin, I think it is. Um, And we're we're here and I'm playing Jake. And Jake, uh, first of all, uh, give us a summary of your army list. What have you brought? um, And tell us a bit about the army, basically. Uh,
4: So I have three hunters. Um, The purpose behind the three hunters, because it's my first tournament, I wanted to go in with a solid team. At least I thought it would be solid. Uh, So, yeah, I just wanted to be able to hold a line um, and do damage with Aragorn and... uh, yeah, the King of the Dead when needed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and just just delve into the, the sort of breakdown of your army because you've got, I think, is it three or four riders? You've got a banner as well. And and they're all probably in, in kind of little warbands, aren't they?
4: Yeah, so I think the largest warband's eight units. I've got a, a rider in each unit just for objective play so I can position anywhere on the board and get to where I need to go. Um, hoping to bring them together. Not always happening, especially with objectives like this one. Um, but yeah, it's just steady warbands, just so I can deploy them anywhere and there's a decent amount of units.
0: Yeah, and I think, actually, in this one, which was a Maelstromer Battle, uh, Heirlooms of Ages Past, so this is one where you, you wander around, there are six objectives, you go to the objective, and you, you roll the dice, if it's a six, that's the objective, and if it's not, then it deletes that objective and we're have to we left with the last one. Last one is the actual uh, objective. So, in this one, Maelstromer Battle, you've got, what, four, five warbands? So, no, the three Hunters and the King of the Dead, and And I think you were a little bit unlucky in the way that your warbands deployed. You had room for them, basically one of them was on each edge of the board. Did you consider spending might to make sure that they were on the right board edges? Because that's one of the key ways of keeping your army together, and especially your army has a lot of might.
4: Yes, so King of the Dead with his one might is a disappointment. If I had more, I could have got him across the board quicker. Mm. Um, But I feel like just using that for the march was worth it get him there he got it by the end of the fight bears, it was too little too late um aragorn was overran. Uh, yeah just got quite unlucky with the um deployment really mm.
0: yeah i mean did you know that you can use might to to change that role at the start so for example when you rolled a one or a two or whatever uh, i think a three at one point and i put legolas in the corner you can spend some of your might to alter that dice roll and which may you may or may not have done but it's it's worth knowing that actually you can do that because i i i could have you know, it might have helped you in terms of bringing your army closer together.
4: Uh, I didn't. I didn't know, but now that I do know, obviously going forward, it'll, uh, it'll help with gameplay. Uh, I'm relatively new to the hobby, anyway, so like this whole weekend experience is pretty much a massive learning curve. Mm. I'm playing against some of the best players in the UK uh, for the first few games, so yeah, like I picked up on so many different like bits of knowledge and things how I didn't play before. So yeah, it's definitely taught me a lot. I think it's the way to learn um, coming to tournaments
0: actually because um, you you do you get a baptism of fire to an extent but um, you learn a lot about your army you learn a lot about the game itself and you sort of pick up these little tricks and tips uh, throughout the game and so, so I mean how the battle panned out was that, that Gimli ended up being in one corner or one sort of board edge um, and, and the War Priest was very close to him. So you kind of invested your guys. Gimli, you think, yeah, he's got a good chance of getting um, uh, getting the War Priest and killing all those. And to be fair, the first turn I lost four or five guys um, uh, after the, the charges and all that. But I think crucially, um, my war band, full of uh, drum, uh, Dragon Knight and all the Cataphrats were really far away. But the drum means that they can move 15 inches a turn. They caught up really quickly, so it left your King of the Dead, which I think you thought I might be... I might be tempted to charge the King of the Dead and get stuck in there, but my God, was I not going to charge the King of the Dead with the uh, Dragon Knight? It's a scary prospect. I've got low courage. I toyed with it, but I thought, no, no, I run away, and then I can. My fight is well, the, all the might and the all the horses are much better used elsewhere. So as soon as I bring those guys over here, Amder, of course, and Kamul end up on this side of the table, which is which was mo- lucky. And then I grabbed the objective, which was uh, on a roll of a six. Not what I actually wanted to happen, but in, in the end it, it worked out in my favour. And do you think that, looking back on it in retrospect, is there anything that you think you should have done that you didn't do uh, that,
4: that could, have, could have swung the game? Uh, yeah, I think deployment of Legolas. I'm pretty sure I picked the edge down there. I don't think it was one of your choices. And I, I put him there because there was an objective. At the time, it was a good idea, like, get the objective dug up and see if it's the core objective for the game. Um, It wasn't, and it took many turns to get him over. I was hoping you'd take the king of the dead bait. You didn't. (laughs) Um, So I had to react to that, and it was too little too late. The moment your riders got in the fight, it was a game-changer. So, yeah, that's... I wouldn't say it's what lost me the fight. It's probably my lack of experience as well. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the fight. It was yeah, it was brilliant. It
0: was good fun, and I think, I
4: think you're right. The, once the cavalry arrived,
0: because um, they're courage four, so so they're all harder for you to kill on fires, and also the, that knockdown just means I'm so much more likely to get the six. I mean, there's a couple of things. I think um, one of the, the axe wielding cataphrat first turn charge the king of the dead takes him out he's it's like it was insane really I, I charged him in there purely on the off chance of thinking i'll hold up the king of dead for a turn turns out don't i took out three wi- three fate and and a wound just with a cataphrat so it's, th- it's th- i mean i'll be honest there were lucky moments for for me but i think uh, in the end it was just just i had all of my my guys in one area and my army is lent towards doing that. It's it's fast moving. It does all that sort of stuff. So it's uh, it's good. And even. Um Kamul who has the magic, just neutralising Aragorn. Those twice, I think he got the neutralised, and the second time it meant the death of Aragorn. So, it's it's vital. And you know, the demise of the king. <laughs> the of the king yeah, I, I feel bad really of, of undermining Gondor and its future. But either way, and uh, Jake, it was it was a great game. I can tell um, you're new to everything, and you know, it, I hope hope it wasn't a negative experience for you uh, playing the game. I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was it was tough at the right in the right way, um, but also uh, it, it worked out it worked out in my favour, which was you know just the way I think just look at the, look at the dice roll of getting that six it won me be the game really, getting the six for the objective but either way Jake, thanks very much for, for the game and, and good luck in the next one
4: Brilliant, thank you very much for the experience I've, I've learned a lot, like different play styles so yeah, absolutely, thank you
0: So the final game of the Gates of Gondolin and we're playing against Rowan and Rowan, you were using some Entmu dice because you're a patron supporter so um, that's exciting, we've never played against each other and you listen to the podcast or is it mainly the YouTube channel
1: that you uh, are enjoying? Uh, it's definitely the podcast for me. I mean, the YouTube, again, great, but it's not really a kind of format that I use that much. But, um, yeah, Enmute's great. It's fine. Enmute's yeah, great. I'll, I'll end on that. Uh, so, yeah. no, it's fine. So, Rowan, so, Rowan, tell me about your
0: army, first of all, um, and uh, give us a summary. And we're playing Assassination. This is a hero-centric um, uh, uh, scenario, where you're trying to kill a hero, a specific, you choose a specific hero to kill, and you nominate one of your heroes in which to kill them um, obviously it helps if you kill them with other stuff, but it, you know, you want to kill them with that guy. First of all what's your army, and um, how did all your plan
1: develop? Uh, so I'm bringing a Gilgalad and Elendil bromance with The Last Alliance uh, getting Kurdan in there too mm-hmm. um, but it's mostly just uh, a few Riverdale knights um, some men on foot um, it's the first time I've come up across Easterlings, which is what Harry's playing. Uh, so it's kind of interesting learning all the, their kind of rules. Um, so, with that in mind, I tried to go a bit more defensive and kind of bottleneck it, knowing that I had the higher fight with the elves against Easterlings. Um, and although uh, I kind of got Harry to come the right way, uh, I've probably the best move i've seen of this tournament uh, had harry uh, using heroic combats and heroic strike to wipe out Ellen Deal in a single turn using uh, andor and the dragon priest uh, dragon knight dragon knight yep sorry and um, and from there i was kind of on the back foot had gilgalad trap with some transfixes so it was a very much reactive game for me um but i think uh, on points we kind of leveled the game out a little bit but it definitely felt like I was on the back foot for most of it um. I, think, I think that's just a ver- by virtue of the fact that I could cho- I could choose where the battle landed because
0: I was moving stuff around uh, with the drum I moved it, it launched things around one side and then kind of dummy runned it a couple of times and, and you, it forced you to spend a point of um, uh, might with Elendil to move your guys away because I drummed right into your face and you were really scared because I won the priority the next uh, turn and then you were like well hurry up I'm going to run away um, and it, it was it was fascinating to, to have that sort of to and fro you mentioned the, be- the best movie scene in the tournament Thank you very much, that's very kind It, w- it was a very, I-, I wondered whether this was going to work But I had, a, I had a chance for a hurl To hurl into um, uh, into Ellendale And I needed to get, a—I a, think I needed to get a Two uh, two inches extra on my hurl So I thought, I can do that, I can do that And then um, hurl into Ellendale, knock him off his horse That was key, because I didn't want it to be him killing me um, And then I strike up with uh, Amda heroic combat with the Dragon Knight, launched them both into him, and I hoped that Kamul would be able to join the combat as well, but he he failed to kill with the Hurl. But the Hurl did what it needed to do, jumped on Elendil and killed him. And I, I thought, as soon as I had that done, I thought I'd be okay. Um, things are happening still around the corner, but generally that, that was kind of an intrapid move because your assassin was then dead.
1: Absolutely, that's, that's, that's exactly it. Um, so although the assassin was dead, I was able to kind of claw back a few points by taking out... The uh, dragon warrior, who was my target, mm. um, Gilglad finally got into the fight a little bit later, but it was all a bit too late, and it was definitely back foot fighting. Um, and although there's a few few savoury rolls from the uh, from the uh, elves, but yeah, there was just too many things to really do any damage. Uh, Absolutely. Take the win.
0: Absolutely, and a 10-7 win in the end, which I'll take right to the bank. Well done, Holden well and Well, let's go join the yeah, ceremony. Thank you.
2: The just to stay at the top after a tough weekend Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, is that recording? Oh, it is, yeah. Hello, and welcome to the end uh, of uh, the Gates of Gondolin. And I've only obviously played three games, but it's still a tournament nonetheless. And Will Champion is the TO. Uh, We don't have a winner. Well, we do have a winner. But as ever, it seems to be Jay Clare. He keeps playing for draws at the end,
2: Will. How do you feel about that? He's just a disgusting scumbag, isn't he? And he, he needs to be stopped at all costs.
0: Yeah. But he keeps, he keeps coming to tournaments, he keeps winning, and yes, he writes the rules, but he also plays with them the same as everyone else. What, what is it about Jay and the list that he brought, do you think, that took him to the top? Is it his superior player skill, or do you think it's everything else?
2: Bearing in mind, it's 900 points. Well... His list is actually total nonsense, um, it's not particularly good, it's like it's fine, it's a legendary legion, so it's got some cool special rules. So it's the Balrog and some other stuff? Yeah, so it was the Balrog, uh, two Black Shield shamans, which obviously shatter and tremor, um, a Black Shield captain, and then the drum and some goblins, like pretty conventional, um, it just helps that he's really good at the game. Um the Balrog wasn't amazing, um, but did what he needed to do. And at 350 points out of 900, you've still got plenty of, you know, points spare for all of the other stuff that you need.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of chaff in that list, I'm guessing. Are you even allowed to take trolls and monsters and things, or is it just goblins?
2: Yeah, so we had one cave troll, I think, just for, I don't know, thematic reasons. And then just a load of, like, av- totally average goblins
0: yeah that's interesting and at 900 points it's an odd one I mean I know we've uh, done Gates of Gondolin before and it's been various different points I think last time it was 1250 which
2: is awesome and what is it that you like about having such high points levels so obviously we've I think we've talked about this before I I prefer high point level tournaments and events and games in general um, because you don't have to budget for things and, and make cuts in your lists and people think that the art of list building is making it as efficient as possible I think that's nonsense and I like everybody to be able to take all of the things that they want to take and then there's no excuses and the best player will come out on top. Mm. And I think this is actually evidence of that. Because Jay's brought what is actually a pretty unspectacular list, and he's still come out on top because he's probably the best player.
1: Yeah,
0: well, and I think it's hard to argue. He keeps winning uh, top tier uh, tournaments, so I guess that that's evidence enough. And and so, for example, my list, uh, you're, you're quite right. I this I have the Eastlings, so I have all, and I literally chose all the heroes. And I actually felt, oh, I don't. I'm not wanting for anything. I d- I'm not like, ah, damn, I wish I had Kamal in this one, or the vice versa. I wish I had an Amda. 900 points. It feels like a nice spot for Easterlings, actually. Maybe it's a, it's a winner. Maybe it's a winner. I, I won two out of my three games, which I'm quite happy with.
2: Yeah, if you'd have been here for day one, you could have been you know, vying for the for the top spot. It could have been the one. Yeah, exactly. um, I, I just really like, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever done 900 points, or it's certainly not common. It's normally 800 or 1,000. I just picked a number that I like the sound of, if I'm being completely honest. But anything that's high points, so you're not making any cuts, you're taking what you want to take, and you get to see the, your faction you know, fleshed out and taking all the cool stuff that you have that you normally have to leave in your cupboards and your cases, and that's no fun.
0: That is no fun. And, and one of the, the downsides or the advantages, depending when you look at it, you have a longer game. So yes, you usually have long, more models, which means you have to move more stuff, so therefore you need to take all that time. But I found that um, more of my games, too, I think the first two games uh, finished in their natural conclusion. The, the last one timed out just because of movement and things like that. It just There was just a lot of bodies trying to fight. And do you think that they're more likely to run to their conclusion with this real long uh, long sort of uh, time that you got for the games?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think at any points level, really, two and a half hours is pretty generous. Um, I think if you play at a thousand points, you'd still go two and a half hours. Anything more than that, maybe you look at three, but I think that can put quite a lot of people off. Um, I, time management is obviously a really important part of playing any tabletop game, but especially SBG. But I always feel like it's a little bit of a, a feel bad if a game goes to time and not a conclusion. Mm. I always want the games to finish because they were supposed to finish. Mm. Um, and so you know if two out of your three games went to time that's more than half and I'm happy with that mm. and I, I think there's only been maybe four games across the entire weekend so I mean I can't do masks I'm too tired but a lot of games have happened over the weekend and I think only like five or six have actually you know gone to time and had to go into the break a little bit to get resolved which is perfect that's exactly what we want yeah
0: ultimately you want those results submitted as a to and and you know what you want people to be able to have enjoy their break rather than you know be desperately you know finishing rolling dice and and then also it, it reduces the quality of that last five minutes of play, does not it because everyone's rushing around you're making decisions based on oh well i'll spend those last two points of mine because i can rather than because i should
2: yeah exactly um you don't want anyone to have to panic about the clock when they're playing a the game you want them to be making the right decisions all the way through. Mm. Um, it eliminates any of the sort of slow play, speed play, stuff like that, that, that can be a concern for some people and some players. Um, ultimately, it just means that you actually play the, the game and the scenario and the armies, how they're supposed to be done. And I said, the main thing is the break as well, because you can have two-hour games at a slightly lower points level um, and have a half-an-hour break between, which is really generous, but if you know half of your games are going to time and then they need to finish to the turn their on, like you're going to end up with half of your field getting like a five, ten minute break at best and, and then it's going to depreciate over the day and if that happens multiple times by the time you get to the evening and everyone wants to socialise half half the people are knackered mm. and you know that's not what you want Every, you know you come for the, the whole weekend don't you? You don't just come for the event generally yeah. um, so more time to play throughout the day is better for everybody
0: Absolutely, and back to the the, the points level again because I, I really want to delve into this. Um, you you, you uh, have a had a well, you were going to t- uh, a ringer at one point. Um, what was your army, and were there any other armies out there that you thought, ooh, that's the top tier list here? It's nine hundred points.
2: Yeah, so there were some really good lists, and there were some really varied lists, which is my favourite thing to see. There was I don't think there was actually any like duplicates where the lists were really really similar. Um, on game two on the top table. There was a 120-model pure Goblin Town army, and there was a sort of evil alliance, you know, Azog's Legion, um, hunter nonsense, which are the two army lists that I'd written if I was attending this event to compete. Because 120 goblins? You'd have done that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I I'm a savage. <laughs> um, I, I'd have formatted it slightly differently, but it, it's the same principle, because you can't deal with that many goblins if you play it properly. Mm. Um, so... Game two, when they were both on the top table, and I had a you know felt a little bit warm and fuzzy inside, um, but then naturally the, the you know the more skilled players will eventually battle their way to the top and find themselves in the positions that they're used to. Um, I didn't see any um, Black Riders Legendary Legions. I was really really surprised by that. Um,
0: yeah, because a hundred points per ringwraith, or thereabouts, slightly less for the normal ones, and slightly more for the Witch King. That's a that's a solid solid list at this point, surely.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd call it showtime. It, it's, it's exactly what it's exactly the points level you want, really. Uh, but we saw none of that. We saw no reigns of Ithilien, which is less of a surprise at this points level. The one that really stuck out to me that I'm surprised we didn't see was the um, assault on Helm's Deep, the Isengard Legendary Legion, because that thing's broken as hell, yeah. especially at 900 points when you can take three blisters, two bombs and about 20 crossbows. I think it's just horrendous. Um, and no one brought it, which is really surprising because I think that would have completely dominated.
0: Mm. I see. Interesting. All those things. And, and didn't, I think you said you were going to ring with, with Barlin. Is that right?
2: Yeah, so... Was that just for fun, or was yeah, that
0: something yeah. you actually thought would be good?
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, I, <laughs> like, I don't think it's bad. You, the, the, the ringer should never take a bad army list. They should take a completely average list. Um, but I'm working on Durin's focus as a good army anyway. I think shield bearers are, are massively underrated and should be seen more. Um, so I just sort of cobbled together some nonsense with a mix of the the special troops, um, the King's Champion, Barlin, two shield bearers and two blisters. Like, just kind of good enough to give someone trouble if I wanted to but not you know immensely meta built and and just finally what's your next tournament and what
0: have you got planned for it or if you have anything planned
2: I, I do not know what the future holds, I'm afraid. Um, I'm hoping to go to Ed and Owen's event, Unnumbered Tears. Um, I'd love to attend that, um, and i will be bringing some nonsense.
0: That's uh, 797 points, I believe, because yes. it's a prime number and it's celebrating the release of Lord of the Rings on yeah. Prime.
2: Ed Ball, you're very intelligent and very humorous. Good job. <laughs> um, but we've also got another event coming up. It's a bit of a shameless pitch. Um, the King's Call to Arms. It's a maniacal creation of mine. Um, where the first day is seven games of battle companies, and then day two, you take your battle company in whatever state they are. They could be, you know, war weary heroes with, you know, all sorts of cool war gear, or half of them could be dead. You know, it depends how the first day goes. But you make that into a 700 point list for day two and play a points match game. And I think you attended last time, so you can tell everyone how awesome it was.
0: It was actually very awesome. I, I think I took my Candish stuff and I spent the whole day trying to give someone a chariot, and I got a chariot in the end. So I had two chariot heroes on day two. And I don't think I did very well, but I think I got most sporting because the first day I played a lot of people with a crap army of Candish warriors that just weren't spending any of their points to, to do anything. It was great fun. And, Will, it's always great fun to chat to you. And thanks very much for having us at the tournament.
2: Thank you very much. See you at the next one.
0: Mr. Will Champion rounding out the gates of Gondolin at Seventh City Collectibles. Uh, another great tournament. I was really disappointed to have not made the uh, first day as well. I just I couldn't, I was working at moving house and all that sort of stuff as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. But, um you know what? I think I did all right. I mean, uh, look, I mean, let's be honest, I was at the bottom of the tables because of um, you know, losing my first three games on day 1 technically. So, um you know, take from what that what you will. I mean, I was playing against generally newer players, although uh, you know I still lost to one, and and all the games were tight. They were really close games, um, and I really enjoyed all of them. But you know, I wasn't I wasn't playing against Jay Clare and, and all the uh, the top table scary people. Um, so you know, let's take that uh, as a given. But even so, I I think the Eastlings kind of performed. I mean, as as was mentioned in that final game. I did pull off an insanely good move, and I, I want to f- flag it again because it was it was it was outstanding. I mean, it was I know it was me, but it was outstanding. I mean, uh, managing to get a hurl, uh, you know, planning out something like hurling a, a model into Elendil, knocking him off his horse, um, and then heroic combat and striking with a dragon knight and Amder and cracking through. And um, charging the now on the floor or unable to strike um, and unable to strike uh, Ellendil is just, it was just perfect. I mean, the thing that went slightly wrong, which, which didn't matter, was the fact that um, uh, Kamal didn't kill the guy who he was hurling. But actually... I, I was really happy with this, and we talked about this a bit in the um, uh, the riddles in the dark section about sort of hoping, uh, you know, that you're giving yourself a really good chance of doing something. And um, and what I did, well, I went completely all in on that move. The intention to go all three heroes against Elendil who would be prone, and have the str- and hadn't struck. So, like to me, I thought actually, I mean, the best the best thing if I'd have perfected it, it would have been immobilize him first. Then throw a the horse, then um, get him. So, so he definitely or couldn't strike. But um, I didn't get the immobilise off, or, or he resisted it, I can't remember what happened there. But either way, um, he didn't strike because I guess he didn't see it coming. A better player would have seen it coming, um, but I don't think it would have as mattered as much because either way, I'd have sucked out the might. So I'd have gotten the strike, and it would have been at no risk to me. Yes, I'd have put a lot of might into it, but if he didn't get it, and I got the 10 and all that sort of stuff, and I had the Elven Blade as well, so I had the, had the chance of getting the roll off still. And either way, I pulled it off, and it all worked. And even if Camul's uh, fluffed his dice, what I, did, what I was really proud of the fact I did, I'd mitigated against the potential for Kamul fluffing his dice. So I hadn't called the heroic combat, and it was the intention of hurling the model... And, um, and relied on the fact that Kamal had to win his combat. I didn't need to do that. All I needed to rely on is the Dragon Knight and, um, uh, and Amda to be able to do their d- damage. And because I'd already blade-wrathed Amda, I knew that I was going to get that. I mean, I think it was only one high elf uh, that I needed to kill. So generally, it's, I, I, I'm just really proud of that move. And I think because I had all the tools at my disposal to do that, maybe maybe the easterlings had a chance they have a chance the problem i have here is this is at 900 points which is just a very rare occurrence maybe at 800 points or 850 which i've i've encountered before it might be a goer to actually go all the way and do pretty well i'm not sure but i think i have the tools to do it i'd probably take fewer cav um and uh, I don't know, drop some. Uh, there's st- st- a couple of things that I could tweak to take off a hundred points. But either way, I think I'd probably want all the heroes. Maybe not. I don't know. Either way, um, coming up soon, I've got a tournament um, that uh, Will just mentioned. Actually. Uh, in sutton and ashfield a battle for unnumbered tiers. it's 797 points it's a prime number uh, to link in with amazon prime's uh tv series exciting which is out in about a year exciting and um i think i'm going to take these things to that i need to work on how to construct this list to fit 800 points but i feel like i've got the tools at my disposal i just might need to go a bit lower on troops i don't know um let me know what you think um Get in touch. How would you change this list to fit 797 points? So drop 100 points. What would you lose um, based on the, the reports I've given and how well it all went? And maybe it's the priest. I don't know. Um Maybe it's a couple of troops. Definitely Cav. Um, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Um, I'd love to know your opinion. Uh, I really value it. podcast at gmail.com um, for a bit of tips, advice. And maybe if I can replicate this again, two wins on uh, day one and two wins on day two, Maybe. Maybe I've got a chance of uh, of proving that Easterlings are better than we thought they were. With that in mind, um, there's a lot of stuff that's still due to go on my YouTube channel. Um, I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks I'm going to get it up. Uh, I haven't got any Wi-Fi at the moment, um, but I suppose as soon as I upload this podcast, I'll have Wi-Fi, which means I'll be able to get the videos all done. Um, Either way, thanks very much for listening to another Ent Moon. I'll be back.
2: boo rum